Good morning, Freedom Village family. Great to be with you as always. Uh, And if you're new to this gathering, uh, let me just say a warm welcome to you as well. Maybe it's your first time uh, joining us today. My name is James. Uh, I serve as the lead pastor here. Uh, It's an honor to have you with us today. Um, I'll wave to you. I know uh, we can't be here together in person, so why don't you, in our, in our YouTube stream, uh, just say hello uh, in the chat there, and we'll wave, we'll wave to the few people. We do this every week, kind of awkwardly, hoping soon uh, that we'll be able to see some of you here. Uh, I know the, the government has made an announcement that a small percentage of people can be here, um, and so we'll be talking with our leadership team and seeing what we can do in the coming, coming days, coming weeks, but um, for now... Uh, great to have you join us online. I just want to say this as well, um, just because there have been questions now and then just with the restrictions. Um, some of you may wonder, uh, like uh, in the past couple of weeks, like maybe somebody on the worship team will, will pull down their mask um, or, or maybe uh, someone who's coming up and reading scripture or even I every week come up with my mask and I take it down. And I just want to let you know um, the government restriction over the last several months has been that one person on the stage um, at a time is allowed to, to remove their mask. And so some of our team uh, chooses to do that. Some of us uh, uh, choose not to do that. But um, for the preaching of God's word, um, I'm just more comfortable taking it down. And uh, there's nobody, one, two, three, four, there's somebody maybe in the sixth row. So we are following the restrictions and the guidelines and being as safe as we possibly can be. But just wanted to put some of you at ease and, and, uh, and, and give you some comfort there. And we are following, following the restrictions. Um, well, today, uh, I'm really excited uh, for, for today in the season that we're about to enter into as a church. Today, we're, we're starting a brand new sermon series uh, called 21 Days of Prayer. Uh, because starting tomorrow, uh, Monday, January 18th, we're actually entering into a season of intentional prayer together uh, as a gathering. You know, one of my uh, deepest desires uh, as your pastor is that we would be a people of prayer, uh, a people who pray first, who pray often, who pray with boldness, who pray with great faith, uh, a people who understand the significance of prayer, the importance of prayer, uh, a people who, who see prayer not, uh, not as an obligation but as an incredible opportunity to commune with and fellowship with the Lord. Uh, People who pray just like Jesus. And and here's what we know about prayer. Well, it's a command, right? It's a command. It's a biblical expectation that God has for his people. And because of that, uh, if we are a prayerless people, a prayerless people, church, we will never, we will never experience all that God has for us in this life. We will surely, surely miss out on greater intimacy and deep relationship with the Lord. We'll miss out on fullness of joy and grace and peace that's found in him. And we'll also miss out on the blessing that comes from all sorts of answered prayers and I'll be uh, very honest with you this morning. Uh, part of me, part of me actually fears being a person who, who rarely or never gets to experience the mighty hand of God moving in and through my life. 
And part of me also fears, and I think this is a healthy fear, uh, but I also fear uh, leading a church and being part of a gathering that never expects and therefore never sees things take place within that gathering that only our Lord God can do. And so if we want to experience the fullness of God in our lives, if we want to see God move and do things among us that only he can do, we need to become people of prayer. We need to pray, not just individually, but corporately as well. We need to become people of prayer. But of course, uh, there are several uh, hurdles to this, right? There are a few obstacles to becoming people of prayer, a gathering of prayer. And the first one is simple, but it's just that most of us don't pray enough. Most of us just don't simply pray enough. Or maybe, maybe for some of us, we struggle to pray at all. We know that God desires us to pray. Actually, more specifically, we even know that we are called, we're supposed to pray without ceasing, meaning the totality of our hearts and minds should be continually focused on being with God. But how many of us have truly figured that out? How many of us can, can genuinely say, pray like me, uh, follow the way that I pray, uh, imitate my prayer life? Probably very few of us. And there's another hurdle uh, as well. And I think it's perhaps the main reason we don't pray like we should. And that is, I think a lot of us actually, if we're honest, a lot of us don't really know even how to pray. We don't know what to pray for, uh, what to say to God, or, or even how to approach him. And because of that, the sad reality is, a lot of us who say that we believe Jesus, a lot of us who say that we, we love Jesus, we have actually learned to live our lives without prayer. We have learned to live our lives without prayer. And in that, we might be in a place where even, even now we, we question the need for prayer in our lives at all. And so that's why, together, uh, we're entering, starting tomorrow, into a season of 21 days of intentional prayer together. And my hope is to actually do this uh, every year, every year starting in 2021, that as a community, as a family, we would each personally seek the face of God, but also help each other to do the same for a very intentional season. I want you, uh, I want us to experience all that God has for us. I want you to be a person of prayer. And so that's what this sermon series and what this season is all about. Well, uh, to help us become people of prayer, we're going to spend the next couple of weeks together in Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. If you've ever uh, read the book of Daniel or, or studied Daniel's life at all, you know that in many ways, uh, Daniel uh, sets for us a standard of spiritual excellence. 
uh, among his generation, Daniel stood uh, head and, and shoulders above everybody around him, even those who were deeply committed to the Lord. And above all, at least this is my opinion, my humble opinion, above all, we see that Daniel set a standard of excellence when it came to living a life of prayer. And it's a pattern that we can all learn from. If you don't know uh, Daniel's story, Daniel was a young Jewish teenager who was captured by the Babylonian Empire. But even though he was far away from home, taken away from his family, his home, uh, essentially uh, made a slave, though he was, was very young, he never compromised his faith. In the midst of trials and all sorts of trouble, we know that he stood firm. He remained faithful to God. Daniel continually served the Lord. And even when it was illegal to worship God, illegal to pray, Daniel chose to pray. He was a true person of prayer. And when you open up Daniel chapter 9, uh, what we see there is, is the opportunity to read and listen in on one of Daniel's prayers. Uh, and it's a, really, it's a really good one. In fact, uh, many would say that this prayer, the one that Pastor Kerry read, this prayer is the greatest Old Testament passage that we have on prayer. And what I love about it is although it's not a specific manual on prayer, it is a model for us of what prayer really is. And so we're going to examine this prayer together over the next few weeks. And, and through it, my hope is that we, we can uncover, uh, uncover some helpful principles to living a life of prayer so that together we can become people of prayer, just like Daniel. And so let's work through this prayer together. We're not going to get uh, all the way through verse 19. That's going to take us like three weeks to do that. Um, but we'll start in verse 1 and see how far we get today. So let's read it together again, starting in verse 1. Daniel chapter 9, verse 1. In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom. And we'll pause right there. By the way, um, we, we normally always use the ESV version here. Uh, today we're using the NIV uh, because I think it, it reads a little bit smoother. Um, but we know that this first year of rule that Daniel is writing about, um, this is taking place somewhere between 536 and 539 BC. Okay? And the name Darius itself there that we see, it's actually a title it's a title. That word there, it means king or, or monarch. And we know this is referring to a man named King Cyrus. King Cyrus, if you know your world history, uh, Cyrus was the, the first king of the Medo-Persian Empire. Right? We know this even outside of scripture, that the Babylonian Empire uh, comes to an end. It's conquered, uh, which we see also in Daniel chapter 5. And now this new empire, the Persians, have come into power with King Cyrus, uh, Cyrus sort of at the top here. 
It's also important to know that, that at this time, when this happens, when, when Daniel is writing, he would have been about 80 years old when he writes here. Uh, Daniel had been taken to Babylon when he was a teenager. Uh, that happened, we know, in 605 B.C. Uh, and, and, and Daniel at that time was, again, a teenager, perhaps 14, 15, 16 years old. And so we know, historically, Daniel, at this time of Daniel 9, has been living in captivity, away from his home, away from Israel, for roughly 65 or so years. And so that's our setting for this text, and you'll see why that's so important in just a minute. But we'll continue to move forward to the text. Look at verse 2. It says, In the first year of his reign, again, that's King Cyrus, I... Daniel, the author here, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. Would last 70 years. So, uh, we we see here that Daniel is studying the scriptures or, or the Old Testament. And in particular, he's apparently been looking into the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah, uh, you may recall, was a prophet of Israel. And he lived in the generation just before Daniel. And so here in Daniel 9, he recalls the prophecy of Jeremiah that Jerusalem, which was God's holy city, that it would be in ruins, it would be desolate for 70 years. You see that prophecy both in Jeremiah 25 and Jeremiah 29. Now, why is that important? Well, remember, I just told you that Daniel at this time is about 80 years old. And that he's been in the land, in in a land that's not his home, in captivity for, for something like 65, 66, 67 years. And so you can sort of understand, you can get the image, the, the scene here. Daniel is reading along, and he comes across, maybe once again, or maybe it's revealed for the first time to him, it's, it's this eye-opening moment. He, he comes across this remarkable prophecy in Jeremiah, and he believes without a shadow of a doubt that what he was reading was the inspired word of God. And indeed, it, it was. And he makes this tremendous discovery That 70 years is determined for the captivity that he is currently himself living in. And I don't think we have to be very good at math to know that what this means then is that in Daniel 9, when he's writing here, Daniel is about three to five years away then from this captivity that he's in, from this captivity coming to an end. Daniel has longed for the end of his people's captivity. He longed to see God's people restored to their land, to go back to Jerusalem. And now as we turn to Daniel 9, God's timing is getting close. And this context is important to know because it's Daniel's discovery. It's the revelation that comes from Scripture that sets up Daniel's prayer. Daniel understood the word of God. And then he began to pray. And so the first principle of prayer that i like us to take note of from Daniel to help us become people of prayer is this. Number one, prayer is a response 
to the scriptures. Prayer is a response to the scriptures. It's a response to the word of God. What we see here is that Daniel's prayer was, let's say, it was born out of an understanding of the word of God. You see, if we don't understand the word of God, we can't understand the purposes and plans of God in order to govern govern and guide our prayers. Again, Daniel sees the plan of God. He discovers the truth of the word, and then he begins to pray. Now, um, human, human logic or, or, or reason would say this, right? You're reading along, Daniel's reading along in Jeremiah, and he reads. It will be, it will be, God says it will be 70 years, and then God will deliver Israel. So, so what's even the purpose of prayer? What is, what, what is Daniel praying for? What are we praying for? God said it's going to happen. He said when it's going to happen. So is it even sensible for Daniel here to be praying for deliverance? Like, what's the, what's the point? What's the point of his prayer? And again, uh, in an attempt to be as authentic as I can, as transparent as I can, I'm not sure I'll ever understand uh, the relationship between God and man uh, while I'm here on earth. Um, I don't understand it fully at almost any level. <laughs> uh, the reality that, that God and man can work together on anything at all. Like, how can God write the Bible and, and men be used at his instruments all at the same time? I don't fully understand. How, how can God become a man and be God at the same time? I don't fully understand um, how I can be saved by choosing to give my life to Christ, yet it's God's sovereign will that I would be saved before the foundation of the world. I don't understand fully how God can do his kingdom work and yet allow my prayers, your prayers, to be part of his work. And yet, yet, when Daniel read of the plan and promises of God in Scripture, Rather than becoming passive about it, he went, what's his response? He went immediately to his knees in brokenness and cried out to God on behalf of his people. That's his response. And here's the reason, I guess I could say this is what I do know. Uh, Here's the reason why he did that and why we pray as well in response to the word. We, We pray in response to the scriptures, because we need to line up our hearts with God's truth and his purposes. Listen, God doesn't need our prayers to accomplish his work. He didn't need Daniel to pray so that the end of the captivity would would come to pass, that it would happen. But, but, He wants our, God wants our hearts to be in line with his word. And so we pray in response to what he has said. Now, I'm so convinced that we cannot pray properly unless we are in the word of God. Because the word of God is our 
is our source of direction. It's, it's the source of direction for our prayers. And I read this from one uh, Bible scholar, and I think it's, it's really helpful to, to sort of solidify this point. He said this, The word generates prayer. When it speaks of God, we long to commune with him. When it speaks of blessing, we long to praise. When it speaks of glory, we long to receive it. When it speaks of promise, we long to realize it. When it speaks of sin, we confess it. When it speaks of judgment, we long to avoid it. When it speaks of hell, we pray for the lost. And so the word of God is the cause of prayer. Daniel's prayer, as all prayer, is born out of a study and understanding of the word of God. The scriptures are what frames our prayer life and shapes our prayer life. And so listen, listen, when we deepen our understanding of God and his truth as revealed in the scriptures, our prayer lives will become richer, they will thrive, and we'll always know what to pray. We'll always know what to pray for in God's word. And so if we find ourselves in a place where we don't know what to pray, maybe it's simply time once again to go back into the word of God. Daniel read Jeremiah. He read the truth. He read the promises of God. And it drove him to his knees. That's what being in the word of God will do. Prayer is generated by the scriptures. It's a response to the word. Number two, I think we see here very clearly a second principle of prayer to help us to become people of prayer. We see here from Daniel, prayer is rooted in God's will. Prayer is rooted in God's will. Uh, Now again, in verse two of chapter nine, Daniel says that he understood from the scriptures through Jeremiah that Jerusalem would be desolate for 70 years, right? And even though God's will is clearly revealed here, we again see that there's no hesitation on Daniel's part when it comes to prayer. He believed, he was convinced that, rightfully convinced, that that prayer was an element of the fulfillment of God's will. Now, uh, let let me say this. I don't think anyone should ever pray as if, uh, we had the, uh, the right or, or as if we were able to change the will of God. I don't think we should pray with that mindset. Like what I said about God's word, we are praying, ultimately we are, we are praying to line our hearts up with God's word, to line our hearts up with God's will. And let me show you an example of that uh, for, from Jesus. He's a great model for us to follow for, for prayer. We know that Jesus knew, certainly as God, he knew the will of the Father. He knew that ultimately the plan for his life was to to go to the cross and to die for the sins of the world. But even on his way to the cross, hours before his death, hours before Jesus' death, we get a, a little glimpse of his prayer to the Father and what is Jesus pray. Well, he, he prays a lot, but we're just going to highlight one verse. It's Luke twenty two forty two. It says this. Jesus says, Father, Father, 
If you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. We know, studying the life of Jesus, and in accordance to the rest of the scriptures, that Jesus Christ resisted sin. Jesus lived a perfect life as God. But in his humanity, in his humanity, 100% man, 100% God, in his humanity, he deeply desired for, for God the Father to make a new plan, to make a new way. He says there, take this cup from me. Take it from me. Don't make me do this, Father. Take the cross from me. Make another way. But, but, nevertheless, not my will, but what? Yours be done. So let's be clear. Let's be really clear with this again. Really clear. Prayer, prayer is not asking God to to be in line or to be aligned with your desires and your will. Prayer is asking God to align you with his will. I'll say that again. Prayer is not asking God to be aligned with your desires and your will. Prayer is asking God to align you with his will. To pray grounded in God's will is to pray that God would be honored and glorified above all else. And what I have found, what I found in my own life and in the life of those who are, who are people of prayer around me is that, you know, it's easy to align our prayers with God's will when we truly believe that his will, his plan, and his desires are what are ultimately best for us. Um, but, but some of you might, you might say, well, what if I don't know his will? What if I don't know his will? And the truth is, sometimes you, you won't know the exact details of God's will in every situation. You might, you might not. But that's, again, the significance of knowing the word. Because if we study God's word, we can, we can know his will a lot of the times, right? For example, I know God's will is that people be saved, and so I pray that, that my friends, my family, my coworkers, Seoul, Hebong Chan, Korea, our world, I pray that they be saved because it's God's will. I know God's will is that we would be set apart people and filled with the Spirit of God. And so I pray that we would be people who are empowered by the Holy Spirit. That we would daily, I pray for myself, God, fill me with your Spirit. Holy Spirit, come into my life. Fill me. I pray in accordance with his will. I know that God's will is that we would turn from our sin and turn to him. God, reveal to me places in my life that are not in accordance with your ways. Help me to to throw off the things that entangle me and ensnare me and help me to turn to you. I know that it's God's will from the scriptures that we would love him and that we would love people. And so I pray, God, help me to love you first and foremost in my life, I want you to be the center of everything that I am and all that I do. Help me to love people in the same way that I love my, myself. Right? We also know 
Last example, it's God's will that in everything we give thanks. So we pray, God, give me a heart of thanksgiving. I'm going to bless your name in every, in any situation that I face. See, if, we were, if we're familiar with the scriptures, there's a lot that we can know about God's will. But again, again, there are times where, where we don't know and we won't know. We won't know all of the little details. But when I don't know his will in a situation and I don't know, therefore, and I don't know exactly how to pray, here is the promise of Scripture. There's actually an answer to this, this, this problem. And this is so amazing. Just incredible, really, when we try to wrap our minds around this. It's another one of those things that's difficult to fully understand. Look at this amazing promise. It's Romans chapter 8, verse 26 through 27. It's the exact answer to this question. The Apostle Paul writes this. He says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. Right? This is the issue we're dealing with. But the Spirit, the Holy Spirit himself, intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with what? The will of God. In accordance with the will of God. And so here is what this is saying. That when we don't know what to pray, when we don't know all the details about his will, so we don't even have the words to pray, the Holy Spirit himself will and is able to make intercession for us. The Holy Spirit can and will, the Spirit in us can and will pray for us. The Spirit has this divine the supernatural conversation with the Father on behalf of those who truly love him. Bottom line here, when I don't know what the will of God is, the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit does. And on my behalf, prayers, prayers will ascend to the Father. Right? That's amazing, right? It's incredible. That regardless of the circumstance, we can always be praying towards God's will. That, that I can even sit in a quiet place before God, in, in silence, actually. I can be still before him in solitude and know that God will and that God can search my heart and that the Spirit of God in me will, will, will groan for me. Pray for me on my behalf. And look, I want my prayers. Hopefully you can agree with me on this. But for me personally, I want my prayers to be rooted in God's will. Because I don't want anything, anything in my life that he doesn't want to give me. I only want his will done. Because that's what's always best. Prayer is a response to the scriptures and it is grounded in God's will. And then our final point for today, number three, how do we become people of prayer? 
Number three, something to know about prayer, an element of prayer we should know. Number three, prayer should be purposeful and passionate. Prayer should be purposeful and passionate. We're going to certainly see this from Daniel here. Look at verse three. We're starting to turn to the prayer now. He says, so I, so I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. I'm not sure that we have a stronger example of passion in prayer in the scriptures than, than right here. This is, this is deep-seated zeal. Deep-seated zeal, fervor. Daniel, Daniel here, Daniel didn't approach God casually here. There's nothing flippant about the way that Daniel prayed. You know, but I fear that, that that's not the case with so many of us. And I'm certainly preaching to myself here first and foremost. It can be so casual in the way that we approach God and the way that we pray. But Daniel says, I turned to the Lord. Or, or better translated, I think, says, I set my face to the Lord God. There's purpose there. I set my face to the Lord God. In other words, he purposefully and intentionally fixed his gaze, fixed his eyes, set his eyes on God. There, there was a passion in persistent here, persistence here. There was an intensity to his prayer. He set his face towards the Lord God and then, and then look, he does it with, with fasting. In other words, he went without food. And with sackcloth, this means simple clothes, and with ashes, black ashes. He went before God seeking an answer. All of those actions, fasting, sackcloth, ashes, they are all cultural indicators of both humility and repentance. That's what's going on here. There's humility and repentance here. They were outward signs of an inward condition. Outward signs of what was going on in Daniel's heart. Again, simple clothes, sitting in black ash. Daniel's there understanding that he is a sinner approaching a holy God. It's the only way we come to the Lord in prayer. This is fervent, it's persistent, it's passionate. And we find another, I think, great example of this this model for prayer in Luke chapter 11. Jesus teaches this parable. He's taught them how to pray, actually, in the chapter before, um, or in in the passage before this. And then he gives this parable of what this looks like, of what prayer looks like, true prayer looks like, what it looks like to be a person of prayer. And here's what happens Starting in verse 5 of Luke 11, here's this parable. Jesus said to them this, Suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. In other words, they're sleeping. I can't get up and give you anything. Verse 8, I tell you, even though he will not get up 
and give you the bread because of friendship. Yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. So what we see in this story here, in this illustration, this parable, is this friend comes, comes knocking on the door for bread. It's midnight. He's knocking on the door. He's out of food. Everyone's asleep. And the, and the point here from Jesus is that this man knocking on the door, he didn't get bread because of his friendship with the family inside. No, he, he got bread because, simply this, because he just dared to knock. He just kept knocking. He was persistent to knock on the door. There was shameless audacity from this man seeking bread. Because he persisted, because he dared to knock, because he was passionate, because of his zealous ambition, let's say, he gets the bread. And I said this earlier, uh, but again, I don't know how all of this works. I don't know how all of this works, but what I do know is when we pray with faith, when we pray with passion, when we pray with persistence, when we pray with, with purpose, when we pray with zeal, Somehow in God's sovereignty, we actually become part of God's plan. And oftentimes, the hand of God will move on our behalf. James chapter 5, verse 16 says this, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. That's physical healing, by the way. Pray that way. And hear this, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. James says, the the fervent, passionate, zealous prayers of the righteous, of those who have a relationship with the Almighty God, those who are his disciples, their prayers... Their prayers are powerful and they are effective. That's another way of saying their prayers work. (laughs) They work. Your prayers will be answered. And let me say this as well, just so there's no confusion. Sometimes, certainly, sometimes God will answer in the way, in the exact way that you desire. Right, that happens. Right, I'm sure um, all of us here, all of you watching online in your homes, I'm sure we can all give testimony to that. But other times, things don't change. The, the, the circumstance doesn't change at all. Things don't go the way that we hoped they would go. But here's what I, what I know. And this is so important to remember when it comes to prayer. So important. It's worth writing down, prayer might not always change your situation, but it will always change you. And that's the greatest answered prayer, that you would be transformed. It's the best thing that God can do for you, that he would transform your heart, your mind, your life, so that you would look more like Jesus. Prayer does that every time. Prayer might not always change your situation, 
but it will always change you. Your prayers might not change God's eternal plans, but they will change you. And that's the greatest value of prayer. Not what your prayer does to God, but what it ultimately does for you. Prayer, again, prayer aligns your heart with the plans and purposes of God. It draws you closer to his face. And in that, there is great transformation that takes place. Daniel set his face to our creator. He he put his gaze on our creator. He pleaded, it says, he pleaded with God. He prayed with purpose and passion to the sovereign Lord of all. He prays with intensity and constancy. He, He prays for a long time here, actually. He's in the season of prayer. You can actually see that in verse 20. There's, there's resolve here. There's determination here to pray. And I think this is really hard for us, right? This is hard to do, isn't it? It's difficult. It's difficult to have resolve in our prayer lives. It's, it's difficult to be consistent and constant in our prayers. Right? We live in a world that expects quick turnaround with everything, right? There, there, we have such little room for waiting in our lives, We actually think, we've become convinced, I think in our day and age, that that we are being patient if we have to wait for something for like a week, right? I was thinking about this even with with 2020, right? Like, uh, you know, the word even for me was patient. And and for me, it's like, it's one whole year. Like, really, Lord, you're going to make me wait on you for an entire year? Like, Oh my goodness, like how much can I take? And then I was reminded recently, talking to a friend, reminded recently how much, how little one year is compared to the waiting that happened, even in the Old Testament. I mean, the, the Israelites are, are, are put in slavery for, for over 400 years. Right? Going back, Abraham's waiting for his son for, for, for 17 years, waiting, waiting. Daniel here is waiting 70 years, 70, to be delivered out of captivity. And here I am. I could barely handle 2020. And I'm convinced now that, oh, I'm a patient person because I've been, I've been faithfully waiting, Lord, and continue to trust you for, for the last 11 months. Right? We, we tend to, even our prayers, I think, and again, again, listen to me, hear me. I'm preaching to myself here. We, we pray two or three times maybe for something. And then if we, we don't get an answer, we wonder why in the world isn't God responding? Like, what's wrong? Is it something about me? Is, is he not faithful? Is he not good? Right? Persistence is very difficult. Very difficult in the world that we live in. We are, we are just wired to expect quick turnaround with everything. And let me just say this as well. I think because of all of these factors, there's going to be a lot of times in your life when, when you don't want to pray. Have you ever been there before? You just don't want to pray. You have no desire to pray. But you're just going to have to pray, even when you don't feel like it. In fact, I think that's, that's actually one of the secrets of becoming a, a person of prayer. 
having the determination, again, having that resolve that says, I'm going to pray no matter what. I'm going to pray no matter what. I'm sure a lot of you, those of you who pray daily, you know, you could, you could again, give testimony that there are probably more days that you don't want to pray than days that you do want to pray. But it's about that consistency. It's about that resolve. It's about reminding yourself again of the goodness of God, reminding yourself of the gospel, and then, again, harboring that desire to want to go with him and realizing this, again, this is not an obligation. This is not ultimately a duty. This is an opportunity that I have, that I have as his child to get before the face of the Lord. I love this quote by Charles Spurgeon. He says this when it comes to uh, not being able to pray or, or, or the answer to not wanting to pray. He says this. It's, it's good. He says, not to pray because you do not feel fit to pray. Like, oh, I can't pray. I'm not qualified to pray or I don't want to pray. That's what he's saying. Not to pray because you do not feel fit to pray is like saying, I will not take medicine because I'm too ill. Pray for prayer. Pray yourself by the Spirit's assistance into a praying frame. He's saying simply, choose to pray. Choose to pray. And when you don't know how to pray or what to pray, go to God's word. Pray towards the truth. Pray towards God's promises. Pray in line with God's will and then pray with purpose. Pray with passion. Pray with zeal. Dare to knock on God's door and keep knocking. Expect to get an answer and expect for your life to be transformed. I sincerely believe, that's why we're doing it in this season, I believe Uh, That the Lord is calling us all, those who call Freedom Village Church home, I believe he's calling all of us into a season of intentional prayer together. These are difficult times uh, in our world. Crazy times, right? And what I know, if I've learned anything through this last season, is we need God's help. We need his divine intervention to make it through. We need to be closer to him. And we need to be drawing near to him if we're going to flourish in this life. I want us, again, I want us to experience all that God has for us. I want to see him do incredible things here at Freedom Village. And I want to see him do incredible things in and through your life. But for that to be a reality... We need to be people of prayer. We need a bunch of Daniels here. (laughs) Prayer needs to be the heartbeat of this gathering. And so, for this next season, this next 21 days, we're going to commit ourselves to prayer. Amen? Well, let me pray for you.